Well, it's nice to be here today briefly, and again, I was asked to uh, share my testimony and weave in some thoughts about the gospel. This last hymn we just sang, some of you may know of the author. He himself had a speech impediment, though you see in the one phrase, uh, stammering, lisping tongue. He was a man who was initially raised under a salvation message uh, that meant to be saved, you would then be sinless. And he languished under that burden. And you see in the phraseology, saved to sin no more. He, on more than one occasion, was suicidal. He had tremendous struggles. And we ourselves have seen people who were raised under a message that suggested sinless salvation. And uh, they have suffered tremendously. However, salvation does save, and I trust we all know that going in. So I'll share a, a little bit of my life, weave in a few thoughts along the way. If you have a Bible in hand, I'm going to use John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. I had to scribble thoughts from an ESV translation. Uh, my wife uses that, and I borrow it once in a while. She my better half, for sure. I was raised in Cardwell, Montana, where Blake Shaw was raised. Some of you know Blake, where Susan Jackson was raised. Some of you know six, Susan. All good people were raised in Cardwell, Montana. My dad actually moved to go to Montana State University from Missouri. My grandfather was an osteopath. My grandmother was a nurse here in Bozeman and uh, not save people. My mother was uh, not a church person uh, at all herself, raised here in Bozeman. Uh, at the time, we, uh, my four brothers and I, as we were hatched, we lived uh, more so in Whitehall, south of Whitehall, in an old white house. And uh, Mormon missionaries showed up one day and uh, attempted to speak with my dad, and he quickly shooed them away my dad was uh, drunk. He was a rodeoer. Uh, my earliest memories are falling asleep with my brothers in the corner booth in the mint bar in Whitehall and waking up the next morning home in our beds. Their marriage was in trouble. And as a result of that Mormon missionary visit, as brief as it was, dad, the next Sunday, told my mother, get the boys dressed, we're going to church. Something my mother had never heard of. I don't believe she'd ever seen the inside of a church. Dad, little, growing up, she said, where are we going to church? She said, I have no idea. And drove around Whitehall and landed in uh, a denominational church where they at least heard information, we'll put it that way, that held their marriage together and promoted moralism, that you could be a good person. Later, they would be a part of a church plant in Whitehall. And during that time, consequently, I and my four brothers, uh, dad worked for a, a ranch, and uh, we heard about Jesus. But as is always the case, Satan wants to make sure we hear, hear wrong ideas about him, lest we be saved. John 1, 12, but to all who have received this Jesus Christ, these are those who believed in the person, the character, the work of this Jesus, the Christ. 
Christ is not his last name. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. That person is then given the right. A lot of our translations have, they receive the power. That word power in a Vines dictionary, by the way, you may not hear it as often as you should, but apart from which you will never go to heaven. You must own a Vines expository dictionary of New Testament words, and remember I told you so. Amen. If you look up that word, you'll discover it's not the word dunamis, like our English word dynamite. It's the word for authority or to have the right. No one, John wrote, as heaven dictated those words. No one has the right to call themselves a child of God. Unless they have met the terms whereby one is saved in that verse 12. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to receive him as my Savior by faith alone, by grace alone. But there's a lot of wrong ideas that surface. Verse 13. These are those who were born not of bloods. That word is plural. You do not see it often in an English translation. When I was growing up, of course, and now in church, we were all left with the impression that we're Christians because we're Americans. And especially, we lived in Whitehall, Cardwell. <laughs> and uh, our country is so geared that we're just all Christians by bloods, plural. Just follow your American bloodline. Of course, in the day in which those words were written, John is talking about a Jewish system of religion where they trace their bloodlines all the way to Abraham, as would lead to a discussion with Jesus the Christ in John chapter 6. And so we kind of grew up under the impression that we're now church-going Christians before we were Christians who weren't church-going. But we've always been Christians. The verse goes on to say that that is not the true saving message. Nor is this second concept of becoming a Christian by the will of the flesh, the desire of the flesh. And most great writers, commentators, Bible teachers down through time strongly lead us in the direction of parenting. People are not saved because parents decided to have children and start a family. And many are of the persuasion that by the desire of the human makeup and the starting of a family that we are then Christians because we were born into a Christian home or family, as was again the case in Jesus' day. When these words were written, they were born into the saving faith of Judaism, as they would understand it at that time. And so, too, we were now under the impression, my four brothers and I, I'm the second of the litter. All my brothers are bigger than I. They got to the food quicker than I did. And uh, now we're in a family that's American, and all Americans are Christians. And now we're in a church-going family, and church-going families are Christians. And so we were continually reinforced with this idea that we are Christians. In light of this troubling revelation, it is not by the desire of the human drives. 
in relationship to the starting of family or parenting. John Bunyan, who wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, also wrote the follow-up, which is the life of Pilgrim's wife, Christiana. And she and the children decide to follow in the, the path to heaven. And in that interchange, that discussion with neighbors who tried to stop her, they make an interesting statement as the allegory is written by John Bunyan from his prison cell long ago in England, that there are many who think Christianity is the result of following natural affection. Paul writes of natural affection to Pastor Timothy. It's that concept of parents and children being attached to one another naturally. We're seeing less and less of that in the world and the society in which we live, as predicted would be the case. But many become Christians because out of natural affection, mom and dad are. And so consequently, at a revival service in Whitehall, my four brothers and I, I forget who elbowed us the hardest, we went forward at an altar call because mom and dad are going to heaven. Don't you want to join them? And out of natural affection, you sign up and you get the tattoo and everything necessary to be a part of their religious faith. I'm of the persuasion that unfortunately many who are of this persuasion, if they were born in a Muslim home, they would be Muslims. They would join the faith of their parents. If they were born in a New Age cult home, they would be New Age cult children. They follow the natural affection. I'm going to join the religion of my parents. And so there's the need to put thought to. Am I a Christian based upon the error of verse 13? Parenting. I have just simply joined the faith of my parents. And we were baptized in the North Boulder River, where at that time we had a little ranch deal of our own underway. And we were all led to believe we have been Americans. They're Christians in a Christian country. And we're church-going Americans. And we, by baptism, have followed in the faith of my mom and dad in our case. Started learning Bible verses a little bit as required of us, started leading songs in Helena at some youth rallies, as lost as the day was long. My dad required that we all join the military and serve our country. Vietnam was underway, and I didn't think that would be a fun place to be. And so I joined the United States Navy, thinking I'll float around on a boat somewhere and stay out of trouble. When I show up in San Diego, they ask me, what would you like to do in the United States Navy? And I thought to myself, I've heard of Navy corpsmen. They're like medics. That way I'll either be in a hospital or on a boat and stay out of trouble. Little did I realize that Navy corpsmen are assigned many times to the United States Marine Corps as medics. And that's where I met my wife. She was a sergeant in the Marine Corps at Camp Pendleton, California. She had been saved a number of months before I showed up out of Roman Catholicism. She's from Iowa. She was the one that, when we crossed paths, suggested that I go to a Bible study, which sounded a lot like going to church all over again, but for her sake, I'll go. It was a small Bible study in Oceanside, California, probably a handful of 
Marines, I think I was the only sailor, once a week, and I started hearing things from the Bible that I had never had ears before to hear. The study was in the book of Romans. It was a retired pastor and his wife who conducted that study. They passed away a number of years ago. They were dear in our lives. I started hearing things like salvation is needed by everyone because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, whether you're an American or from Cardwell or not. Then I started hearing things like Jesus talking with those in his day that they weren't going to heaven either based upon parentage or lineage traced clear back to Abraham. And I started having to rethink things like, and baptism, by the way, has nothing to do with it. And it was dismantling everything I had been led to think. I would have quit earlier, but uh, I had to impress a young lady from Iowa, and I had to keep going. And so I kept attending, and it was fierce on my soul. I remember we called him Pop slid up alongside me one time during a break and said, Monty, what are you looking for? And I looked at him and I said, I have no idea. And I walked out. I had a Navy corpsman try to witness to me one time. He sensed that I was not a regenerate Christian. I was a religious Christian. They don't go to heaven. One has to be born again. One has to be regenerate. And I showed him the door quick, too. Finally, a Bible study session rolled around, and then there was a Sunday luncheon at this pastor and his wife's home in Oceanside, California. It was on the second coming of Christ in Matthew's gospel, and that really disturbed me. And by this time, I was getting a little ratcheted up. I was never allowed to hunt when I was growing up. All of my brothers were allowed to hunt. I was never allowed to handle a firearm because I had a temper that was of a short fuse. And so my parents restricted me in many ways. And so I had real issues suggesting maybe I did need a savior, though I was never given to womanizing, didn't go on dates, didn't care for the lady folk. Sorry, gals. And... Uh, wasn't interested in drinking, never got into drinking, never got into smoking, chewing, or going with anybody who did. Uh, honestly, I can't remember using a cuss word in my life. F.B. Meyer calls that prenatal grace. It is no tribute to our nature because my temper suggested that my nature was sinful. In spite of the other elements in my life, the visible, I looked exceptional. So said the Apostle Paul of his life. He said, I looked exceptional, but I knew in my soul I was a sinner to the core. And so I'm in this Bible study. I'm at this luncheon. I'm mad. I walk out. I go to pick up Jan at a location in Oceanside, California. And I said, get in the car. And she knew something was not going well in my favor though it was in my eternal favor. Went right straight back to the Reed's home, knocked on his door, and I said, I need to have a talk with you. And he welcomed us in. My wife-to-be sat in the living room with uh, Mrs. Reed. Pop took me in a side room and asked, uh, what can I help you with? Of course, he had a good feel for the fact that I was lost. 
There was no koinonia, the word for fellowship, no common life connection in our souls, no tie that binds. And I told him in some pretty stern wording, no foul language, I was never known for foul language. I said, I'm, I'm very upset about these things you've been teaching me, and I've been going for about five months to that Bible study. And I said, I'm just, just getting mad about this stuff. And I remember he looked me in the eye with his loving, kind countenance and said, Monty, when were you saved? And it was like reviewing my life in a flash. Growing up in a home of a drunk rodeoer, who finally decided to take his family to church, who thought we should all get baptized to seal the deal. And I looked at all of it. My brothers and I, when we left home, all of us joined the military. We all left church the day we walked out of the house. The peer pressure was gone. I don't have to go to church. And I looked at him and I said, I do not know. And he looked at me and said, would you like to settle it? And half of me said, walk out and don't come back. And half of me said, this has to be settled. As the Spirit of God is the one who brings new birth, he is the one sent into the world to convince a sinning, sinful soul to turn to Christ. He is the one that draws us, so taught our Lord. And I said, I'll settle it. He then told me, we're going to kneel together, but I am not going to give you words to say, and I am not going to pray for you or for you. This is between you and God, based upon what you know from now Scripture. And we got on our knees, and I begged Christ to save me, like I had never begged before. As what Jesus says, those who are saved, blessed are those who are saved. They are marked by being poor in spirit. The word is to be a beggar. I had never begged for anything in my life as I begged to be saved. That's what the Spirit of God brings to a life when they are to be born again. When I got off my knees, I had a new life. I knew it in my soul. I had become a partaker of the divine nature. I had been altered in the core of my being. My eyes opened up. I could understand what I had been not understanding for months. I remember that morning at Camp Pendleton on base, I tried to read my Bible on my own for about the first time with real effort. I was in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I remember leaving that Sunday morning, my barracks, my room, thinking, this book is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm saved that early afternoon. We would attend Carlsbad Union Church in Carlsbad, California. That's where my wife-to-be went and friends of ours from the military. I would just hold the pew down and play my part. I knew Bible verses by memory. I knew songs. We went that Sunday night, Pastor A. Barry Jones, who is still alive, quite elderly, has done a lot of teaching in the Philippines over the years since retiring. He's from England, had a little bit of an accent, walked into the church that Sunday night, and I said, Pastor Jones, I have been born again. 
and I want these people to hear my story. And he smiled at me, for he too knew all along, there is no sharing of a common night life with Hospital Corman Casebolt. There is no koinonia in our soul. And he smiled and he said, the pulpit is yours tonight as long as you need it. And this is a large church. And that was the first time I stood in a pulpit and I shared the difference between a religious Christian for 21 years and one who has become regenerate. Went back to base that night, Bible still open, sat down. I'm going to try this again. And it all made sense. Now I'm a part of a spiritual body, a spiritual family, where we all have different roles, just like it said. And from that day forth, one might conclude, well, your life must have been a bed of roses. It must have been a cakewalk once you're freed from your sin and Satan's domination of your life. And you can go hunting now. They'll let you have a rifle. (laughs) And uh, that isn't the way it unfolded. And as we are regenerate, we become enemies of the one who once owned us. And within a couple of months, I'm sent overseas. Long story short, not the details in these areas so much now as I close here this, this afternoon or this morning. Within a month overseas, I'm under church discipline, being framed by Christians who deemed the new hospital corpsman at the Overseas Christian Service, Servicemen Center, which is now Cadence International, who shows up and the director says, you're a new believer, let me disciple you. And I said, that would be a good thing. And uh, those who were there, who were trying to convert the theology of the center, trying to shift the direction away from biblical Christianity to contemporary reckless Christianity when it comes to theology and doctrine. And I got caught unknowingly in the middle. I was in a mess hall. A couple of those guys approached me and said, you know, you're kind of new. The director seems to have a liking to you. You're a corpsman. Corpsmen were highly recognized in the Marine Corps, still are. So you get kind of a little platform, uh, so to speak. He said, what do you think about this vein of Christian thought? And I said, you know, this is all very new to me. But the man who taught me the Book of Romans for six months, before I left to come to Okinawa, Japan, he gave me some material and said, you stay away from that vein of thought. That is not of the Lord. And I said, that's kind of where I stand at this point. And so they had gone back and shared a few lies about me. I show up at the center. Ralph Porter from Moody Bible Institute, a graduate, he and his wife, their little family, calls me in the office, and there's those two guys sitting in there. And he looks at me and he says, Monty, I don't want to hear one word out of you. I want you just to listen. You are never to return here again. Don't darken the door. Now leave. I had a tremendous peace in my soul as I went back to base that night, knowing before my new heavenly father, I have done nothing wrong, but I don't know what has been done. I was under church discipline for 11 months, my entire period of time, tour of duty in Okinawa, Japan. No Christian was allowed to speak to me. No non-Christian would speak to me because I often had my Bible with me. My only connection with anyone was male 
letters between Jan and I, we were going to be eventually engaged over the phone from Okinawa, Japan and Dubuque, Iowa. And if any of you'd like to help pay off that phone bill to this day, let me know. <laughs> Still chipping away at that one. But I would go to chapel services because I, I love my Lord. Nobody would speak to me. And I would go to the base library every night that I did not pull duty and study this Bible. I found a one-volume commentary. I don't know if the guy was a heretic or not. I didn't know enough to know, but I knew it's about the Bible. And every night for 11 months, I studied from Genesis to Revelation. The Bible that I possess has all my notes in the margins from Okinawa, Japan. I'm now going to leave, long story short, Christianity hasn't been very joyful. But I had learned through that study that it's not going to be. You're now the enemy of the one who once possessed you. But blessed are you when people persecute and revile you. For great is your reward in heaven, for so treated they the prophets who walked before you. So I was in good company. And the eye of faith convinced me of that. We uh, go to chapel. On my way out, they announce there's a barbecue off base for everybody who's been faithful at chapel. And I had been faithful at chapel. I said, I'm going to go to that thing. Ain't nobody going to talk to me, but it's going to be food better than what you find on base. <laughs> Walk out, head out to the picnic. It's out in some Okinawa jungle. Picnic's over. Nobody says boo to me. Captain walks up, says, Doc, would you uh, help Ralph Porter, the director that put me under church discipline, would you help him carry the barbecue thingamajigger back to the Jeep? I said, I'd be glad to. Ralph's on the front end. I'm on the back end. We're walking through a jungle to the Jeep. And I said, Ralph, stone silent. Ralph, I'm headed home. All done. Heading home. He laid his end down and looked at me and said, would have been nice if I could have discipled you. I laid my end down and I said, and why did that not happen? Well, you were teaching a Bible study on base and promoting heresy and telling people not to come to the center to the Bible studies. And I said, Ralph, that never happened. Those guys met me in the mess hall and tried to remove me from you by telling lies about me. Years later, I have been the pastor. Our first church was at the Dry Creek Bible Church, north of Belgrade. Maybe some of you attend there. We were there in 1977. That was a long time ago. Uh, it was like a week after we got married. Yeah, I was a student at the Montana Institute of the Bible in Lewistown, Montana. This school grew out of the ashes of that one. I've been the pastor of the Ulm Bible Church, south of Great Falls. Been the pastor of the Buffalo Community Church, south of Lewistown. And for a while, I was the pastor in my home area, Cardwell, Cardwell Community Church, though my family always went to church in Whitehall. We've been in Livingston. We're getting close to 35 years. But uh, in Livingston, I get a call from 29 Palms, California, Marine Corps Base, Ralph Porter, 
He said, can I come to Montana and visit you? I'll be traveling with a Marine Corps officer, enlisted officer. I said, it'd be wonderful. Shows up in Livingston, Montana after a decade or more. Says, would you, do you have an evening service midweek? They were there midweek. I said, we happen to have one tonight, Wednesday o'clock, or Wednesday, 7 o'clock. I'd like to come. That'd be wonderful. Walks in. We all sit down. I open the evening. Ralph Porter stands up. Apologize for interrupting, but I am here for one purpose, to stand before you people and ask your pastor's forgiveness for what I did to him. That's real Christianity, but so is the other. We become the targets of the one who once possessed us. But by God's true saving grace, there is an inner man development that makes it possible to weather the storms that come our way. I've since been charged with five felonies by a homosexual group in Bozeman and taken to court. I've been a part of people internally in churches try to dismantle my life, our life, our family. That is the real deal. As we close in prayer, in John Bunyan's writing, when they try to talk Pilgrim's wife out of following that path with hardship after hardship, an interesting statement is woven within the story, the allegory by John Bunyan, where the response is from Christiana, to walk the same path of affliction is but proof I am on the right path. And so it is, as you and I examine ourselves regularly to see whether or not we are a mere religious Christian, or have we been a regenerate, born-again Christian by accepting the true gospel that John the baptizer preached in Mark 1, and Jesus picked up the torch when they dealt with John harshly, repent and believe. They go hand in hand, become a beggar, poor in spirit, and beg for that salvation like the publican long ago who hung his head and said, have mercy, have mercy on me, a sinner. As you examine your young lives, I leave those who are interested with a, a little handout that we like to use, give it to our own children. We have 12 children. They're all ours. They're all ours. And uh, 22 some grandchildren now. We've enjoyed our journey and we will enjoy it to the end. And uh, used to teach here at the school. I started here 1989 teaching here. I was still at Cardwell at the time. I've taught at uh, Arrowhead Bible College in Trout Creek, Montana, Wilderness School of the Bible in Augusta, Big Sky Bible College in Big Fork, which uh, is no longer in existence. They're all great journeys, but uh, they've taught me that young lives are sometimes like my young life was. One has not met the master. They have met and joined a movement, but they may have missed the master. This handout is a little review of the soul put together by Dr. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great, soon-to-be-famous medical doctor in England turned pastor Bible teacher.
when he heard medical colleagues of his in a hospital dining room talking about how to take advantage of patients. And at that point, he said to himself, I need a different direction to be of true help even to my colleagues. Became one of the greatest Bible teachers that we have known in our time. And so for those interested, you're welcome to pick one up. We'll close in prayer. And may we always remember, it is not by bloods, lineage, ancestry. It is not by the drive to start a family. And oh, by the way, that last one, it is not by the will of andros, which is not mankind. It's the word for those of us who have to shave in the morning, the male folk. We are not a Christian because dad said we were. As I have had children tell me, I am a Christian because my dad said I am. No, it's by the wonderful saving grace of God. Remember, grace is only a word on paper until it happens to you. Father in heaven, may grace happen yet again to more of us who yet walk uncertain of the master of the Christ who saves. Thank you again that there is a fountain filled with blood that one day for the redeemed, the ransomed, they will sin no more one day. Thank you in Christ's name for that one day to come. Amen.